What is good, NBA fans? Uh, welcome into today's Drop and Dimes. Um, I elected to go solo today because, yes, we're a tenth of the way through the season, but it's still so early that it's, uh, you know, it's all kind of speculative opinions at this point. And I figure I'll save the guests for once. There's been a few more games and you actually have some sort of uh, uh, more nuanced and fleshed out idea as to what's going on this season. Cause I had initially sat down, I started doing research um, and compiling my notes two, three days ago about the idea that I wanted to do for today, which was what trends since we are a 10th of the way through the season, uh, what trends do I believe in so far? And conversely, what don't I believe in? And then, uh, Kirk Goldsberry put out an article about it. Zach Lowe did a podcast on it. And uh, I've seen two or three others. And now I feel like I'm just doing the same thing that everybody else is doing. Right. When you think you're original, uh, there is no reinventing the wheel, unfortunately. So I'm still going to uh, touch on that. But if if you guys, you know, those watching want to comment over in the the live chat on the side, and uh, bring up any topics for discussion and whatnot, I am more than happy to do it. Now, I cannot say that I have watched every team thus far. I'm close. I'm very close. But I have not watched every team. There, let's see. I haven't seen... Uh, I've only seen a couple minutes of Detroit. So there's that. And I haven't watched the Cavs yet. And then in the West... Uh, Minnesota, I have not seen yet, and I've only seen a sparing amount of the Spurs. So everybody else, I've at least watched a game, um, and a number of teams so far, I've watched a couple games, you know, namely uh, the Nets. I've watched my Bulls a few different times. I've watched a couple Laker games, uh, Sixers, uh, you know, Various. So um, I don't have like a fully formed opinion on everybody yet, just because I haven't seen technically everybody, but I've watched so far through all teams playing seven games. I've watched a decent amount thus far. Um, so the comments in the live chat are starting to roll in and I'm just going to go ahead and barrel into those. Uh, okay. Well, Daniel's asking a football question. That's for a different, uh, a different show. Not this one. Um, so the first thing that I've noticed through this season that is a trend, it's a trend that's going to continue. And uh, I got to say, I'm not a fan of it, which is the Trey Young foul baiting, taking basically he's merging what Chris Paul does into the sheer numbers of free throws that, uh, that Harden gets. And actually he's averaging more free throws than Harden. Uh, Trey Young's at 12.1 free throws per game. And the only reason it's down to 12.1 is he had two games where he attempted four free throws apiece. All the others, it's uh, 14, 15, 17. He's getting to the line and he's doing it. Like that game against the Knicks when Tibbs went off on the sideline with the ref. I agree with Tibbs. Some of these are legit. He's running around the screen and he stops to take the shot and he gets fouled. That's a foul. And there are other ones where he is clearly looking behind him and waiting for the opportune time. Now, is it illegal? No. No, it's not at all. Is it uh, uh, gaming the rules? Yeah. 
And I don't mind it if he does it sparingly, but when he's hunting that out, as opposed to trying to get an actual basket, I think it kind of flies in the face of the spirit and essence of the game and the rules. It's just, if you're not a Hawks fan, it sucks. What's the fun in watching that? He's too fucking talented to do that. Just flat out. So when he's averaging 12.1, put it this way, through seven games that the Hawks have played, he has 85 free throws. 85 fucking free throws. He has almost as many free throws as a couple different teams at the bottom of the free throw here. I can I can tell you right now, I have about 37 tabs open because once again, I started doing one show and I ended up scrapping that because at the full, I have a two pages in a Google doc of all the, I got a breakdown of the Raptors and I've got a breakdown of the Nuggets and I've got a breakdown of like all these different teams. And then once again, reading articles and listening to other podcasts, just like, well, shit, they already talked about that. And, uh, you know, so you can go and find that in those spots. Um, so anyway, so he has 85, uh, free throws himself total. So totals per team free throw attempts. Oklahoma city have 125. They're the least Raptors at 127 Phoenix at 129, the heat at 132. So Trey young is almost eclipsing. He's got two thirds of the numbers that the Oklahoma city have as a collective team by himself through seven games. That is utterly ridiculous. That is a person that is not hunting for a shot. He's hunting for a free throw. If he keeps this up, he will join Harden one day. Harden is the only MVP last I checked, which was last season, uh, sometime around this time last year. But I, I check in on every once and again. Harden is the only MVP uh, that has ever has more free throw attempts than he has field goal attempts. And nobody else is even remotely close. Nobody else is within a wide margin of even sniffing, getting to 500, like leveling out those two numbers. And Harden is a plus on free throw attempts versus uh, field goal attempts. And it's just ridiculous. Trey Young is now on a trajectory to eclipse Harden in that. And what is what is fun about that? I don't know why, why does, why is he getting the Dwayne Wade? Uh, it was that 2007, I, I believe it was, I'd have to look up the specific numbers against the Mavs where he's getting superstar treatment. It's just like, you're still kind of new to this league. And Trey young is getting super duper star treatment when it comes to these foul calls. And by and large, technically, yes, he's getting it, but I don't know. I think they need to amend the rules much like they did when like uh, on Durant's rip through on outside shots, no longer, no longer being able to bait players into getting those free throws, those cheap free throws, which is what they are. They're cheap free throws. Um, I don't know how you amend the rule. I haven't thought about it other than my general disgust seems a bit harsh, but displeasure having watched it. Um, I don't know. He just he's he's getting away with stuff where you need to be in the league longer or. Establish, establish yourself more as a star player 
for you to mean mug every call that you don't like. And was it John Collins got in between him and a ref the other night? Uh, it was the end of the first half. I can't remember who it was against, but he didn't like that he didn't get a foul call. Which <laughs> you've gotten a preponderance of foul calls this year on his shots. And then John Collins had to get in between and uh, a sweet talk the ref. And it's just like, dude, you just, you're already getting so many calls. You're going to complain about every single one you don't get. I don't know. I don't like that trend within the NBA where star players now complain about every non-call. Uh, you just play the fucking game. Seriously. I can understand every once in a while, but when you cry wolf every time, it negates and nullifies when you're actually getting fouled and, and you know upset that you didn't get the call. So anyway, Trey Young getting a ridiculous number of free throws is a trend that unfortunately is going to uh, persist until the league you know, modifies the rules so that we can reduce. I don't think you legislate it out because there are times when it happens and it's legitimate, but when he is flat out hunting that out around, uh, you know, screens and pick and rolls, when he's not looking for a roll man or a shot on his own, he's looking for the foul solely. It's like, that's, that's not fun. That's not basketball. That's not the way you're going to draw more viewers into basketball. So, in my opinion, uh, 2006, Daniel Sava says, sorry, don't know why I thought it was 2007. Uh, let's see. Francisco Burgos asked if I'm in fantasy league. No, I do fantasy football, but fantasy basketball is too long for me. Um, I know that you set your lineup for like the week or something. I don't know. I've never done it. Uh, so I like fantasy football. It's, it's much easier to keep up with. Although now that they've, there's a Thursday game and a Saturday game and a Monday game and a Sunday game. And it was much better when it was just Sunday, Monday, in my opinion, uh, for fantasy reasons, just because the Thursday game is dog shit by and large, if you have any kind of offensive player, uh, but that's neither here nor there for a basketball. So, um, what trends do I want to talk about then considering I'm scrapping the two-page Google Doc. So the three biggest shockers, I think, are in the Eastern Conference with Orlando currently sitting at second. Um, uh, Cleveland at uh, fifth and, or pardon me, at sixth and New York at fifth. Now, if you dive into the numbers between the three of those, Orlando's looks legitimate. So I'm... a. Uh, if this keeps up, I will gladly eat crow uh, because I was confused once again with what Orlando's plan is for this team. It, they're running it back minus their starting point guard in Augustine, who's now, you know, with Milwaukee. So it's like, okay, I don't, you didn't really make market improvements anywhere. Aaron Gordon still is kind of a question mark as to what he's going to become. Um, and at this point, I think the question mark still persisting after all this time, then that's kind of what he is. He's a player that has a lot of potential, but who knows what he's going to get to. Vucevic is, was an all-star, uh, very well can end up being an all-star again. Uh, where they're really shining is defense. Uh, much like 
a lot of all three of these teams with uh, Cleveland and New York. I think the more intriguing ones to talk about are New York and Cleveland, because I don't think that these persist, especially given the fact with like Cleveland now sitting at six, right? And they're four and three. But if you look into the numbers, their defense is pretty solid. Um, you know, Andre Drummond is a steals and block machine in and of himself. Nowhere near Miles Turner. Miles Turner for the Pacers, man, he has 25 blocks through seven games. Just bananas, the numbers that he's putting up in blocks. Nobody is getting in that interior. It's like suck it, Gobert. Uh, although I think Gobert's in, uh, he's either second or third right now. But so Cleveland's problem is on the offensive end, right? And now they're going to lose Darius Garland. Uh, for he's held out of, he's got to be reevaluated with, I think it's a shoulder sprain, but they're going to lose Darius Garland for about a week, maybe longer. And they're, you know, he's their second leading scorer, uh, second or third leading scorer. Colin Sexton's number one right now, but to lose a top three guy on the offensive end, you're going to need other guys to step up and fill in for you. And that's where your team is somewhat faltering. If you look into the, the numbers, their defense is pretty good, but it's the offensive. Can you put up enough buckets right now? Their net rating differential is uh, negative by a scant amount, but negative. And that's because offensively they're not putting up uh, more than their defense can shut down. So to lose that, We'll see where they're at in a week's time, which will be three to four games. They're currently sitting at four and three, but after three to four games, they could be four and six uh, uh, or five and five type of thing. Um, that's why it's the early season trends. It's kind of difficult to, to figure out what is real and what isn't because, you know, after a couple of games, what was Minnesota two and just like, Oh, Minnesota, but I'm still not buying it. And they've lost five straight or so. Uh, let's see. Minnesota is, yeah, they're two and five. They've lost five straight. And that seems akin to what I was expecting from Minnesota. My problem with Minnesota is to do, do you want to be in the trenches? You need to dig out a win. Is cat going to do it? Has Cat ever seemed like the guy that has the resolve for that? He seems like a guy that if they're up, he's going to give you 100% of what he's got. And if they're down, he's going to sulk. It's not as bad as Boogie, you know, in Sacramento days, but he doesn't have the, it seems on the outsider's perspective, the drive, the wherewithal, you know, the Westbrookian type of determination of F you at all times. Uh, you couple that with D'Angelo Russell, who I've always felt is fool's gold. Um, although Edwards looks pretty legit so far, you know, for a rook. Uh, I like him. All the the people saying, guys, you know, does he have the motivation? Does he have the drive? Seems like he's got the killer instinct. Um, you know, we'll see long term. But for, you know, get back to Cleveland. Can they weather this loss of Garland and is the shoulder strain, just a simple shoulder strain and he'll be back in short order. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I'd like of those, you know, three teams, I, I'm more so pulling for the Knicks and the Cavs. Um, just cause 
Orlando's been hovering around the eight, seven, eight for so long that I'm just kind of bored with it. Um, although if they maintained it, they ended up in the top, you know, five by the end of the season, that'd be a flat out incredible. I just don't see Orlando being able to do that, but what the hell do I know? You know, I discounted them. And the people that harangued me on the Eastern conference uh, preview, when I said Toronto was going to make a stumble, you know, going through and making my preview of this, you know, Toronto looks abysmal right now, but in no way did I see them being this bad. And the fact of the matter is shots just aren't falling. They're shooting so poorly from the field that there's no way that this maintains for the entire season. So they'll rebound uh, a little bit and they should get back into some sort of, you know, uh, contending form. Uh, perhaps my fear of losing Ibaka and Gasol is borne out in the fact that replacing it with Alex Lynn and, and uh, uh, Aaron Baines isn't the salve on the wound that they were hoping for. Um, but I don't think that their shooting woes persist, and I don't think they're going to end up as bad as where they are right now. I just it all comes down to to me Pascal Siakam, and he's not really a true number one to me. Um, you know, he's got a set number of moves in his bag of tricks, and a good enough defender knows that. Like, go watch the highlights of them when they squared off against the Sixers. And when Ben Simmons was on him, especially late in game, and he goes down and he does his catch back to the basket and then pivots to his left um, to spin off and do a little floating fade onto that. You know, he likes to spin to his left. So he ends up with his right hand dominant going towards the basket and he's shielded with his left shoulder against the defender. And now good defenders know that. So as Simmons did, and he blocked him. Um, so can Siakam improve there? Like the fact of the matter is to go from, you know, G league to second fiddle on a championship team to uh, all-star last year, like his progression has been second to none, but now to be a true number one, there's very few of those in the league. And I, right now he hasn't been, proven out to be a true number one, but I don't think that their current record in sitting it, I think it's 14th. They're just above Detroit. They have one fewer loss than Detroit, but both these each has one win. Um, I don't think that that is, is genuinely true. Detroit's is seemed real to me. Now Killian Hayes is going to be out. He tore, uh, or is it strange? I think he tore something in his hip. Um, a flexor or something in his hip and he's going to be out for a while. So it'll be interesting. Now for the Knicks, they're going to lose Alec uh, Burks for a little while, but they're still maintaining Julius Randle. Who's, I mean, he looks like what the Lakers drafted it. Uh, I believe number seven way back when is that the number seven, number nine, but I liked him coming out of college. I thought that was a solid pickup for the Lakers and to finally see him all these years later, uh, mature into the player that he is now seems pretty legit. RJ Barrett um, is doing better with uh, the spacing. Um, what is it? Emmanuel quickly IQ pretty good so far. I think he's at uh, 10 points per game. Um, Mitchell Robinson looks good. Still have a question mark about Kevin Knox. Um, and if you look into their numbers, their net rating puts them at lower than what where they currently are. If you look at their uh, 
schedule thus far, it is, you know, they've had, they lost to the Pacers. They lost to the Sixers. They crushed the Bucks. A 20 point win against the Bucks. Um, they beat the Cavs. They lost to Toronto, Toronto's lone win. Then they beat the Sixers and then they beat uh, the Hawks. So, a couple solid wins in there. The Pacers, the Bucks, and the Hawks, those are legit. Those are straight up legit wins. The loss to Toronto um, right now looks pretty bad, but at the end of the season, probably more than likely will look fine. You know, you need to basically, you need to beat the teams that are supposed to be worse than you and then just do average against everybody else that's in your realm if you're a legit team. So the Knicks and the Cavs, I just don't see this persisting beyond where we're at right now. Maybe I'm wrong. Orlando, the numbers appear to prove that this early season, you know, surge to second place in the East is legitimate. I, st I still have trouble buying it, but I'm happy to be wrong. I'd rather be wrong, uh, you know, prognosticating a team not doing well than uh, the the flip side and saying a team is going to be great and struggling. A la, I really like Denver coming into the year. Figured after the past two seasons, taking uh, you know the wherewithal to go to game sevens in two separate playoff series, one against a Clippers team that was the odds-on favorite to win the title, um, was the deepest team in my opinion, and to come back down three-one on them. You're like, all right, Jamal Murray looks legit. They're going to grow. And right now, uh, they've struggled so far. Their defense looks just terrible. Just terrible. Them in Portland, man. Look, I'm a Bulls fan, but you gave up a 20-point you know, lead to the Bulls last night. Ah, oh, man. Portland, you cannot be this bad on defense. As much as people for years have been saying you need to break up Dame and CJ, I I don't want to see that, but those are the only true trade chips that you have. And of the two, you're going to opt for CJ and you need to get some offense and defense back. You would have hoped that, that certain additions like Covington in the, the offseason would have shored up your defense a little bit better than this, but I think that Portland right now is sitting at 29th in defense and Denver's at 28th. So, or at least by rating. So, boy, Portland looks scary. So let's go over to the... Uh, uh, so Jordan Anderson said, what was the deal with that game where Milwaukee was beating Miami by 50-plus points at halftime and they cut the TV feed for a nationally televised game? Well, why do you... 50 points is who's watching at that point. If they can switch to a different game and get eyeballs, well, they have advertisers to appease to. And the average fan that doesn't give a shit about either of those two teams and sees the score, are they going to tune in? It's I mean, last night, that Nets game, they went up big. I switched over to the Lakers-Memphis game and I watched the rest of that. That was a hell of a game. And that's another team that, I mean, you know, right now they're 
technically out of the playoffs. And technically, I mean by that we're seven games into the season, eight games for a couple teams, you know, the Lakers being one of them. But right now, Memphis is last in the West at two and five. But they're only three and a half games out of first. A, I mean, look at it this way. The Nuggets, when I was doing, you know, my my preview leading into this, they were out of the playoffs, technically, and winning last night over Minnesota propelled them into eighth. So that's why it's kind of early to start talking about oh, what's legitimate in these trends. But for Memphis, so they're two and five, right? And you look at what they're doing and how they're doing it. I mean, there's no Jaron Jackson. He had that meniscus surgery in August, and he's going to be out for a little while longer. John Morant only played it was either three games or four games, and now he's out, and he's going to be out for minimum two weeks. Maximum at this point, I think, is four to five weeks. Uh, Justice Winslow, whether or not you think that he would be a solid addition to that team, he has been out all season. So, Jaron Jackson Jr. being gone, John Morant now going to be out for the foreseeable future. So, you're relying on, you know, Dylan Brooks and a collection of other guys, but not your top two. And they took it to the Lakers last night. They flat out took it to the Lakers last night. Lakers, by offensive rating, one of the strongest offenses in the league. I think that the, before last night's game, they were third in the league and they have now since dropped to um, fifth or sixth. Hold on. I can pull it up right now. So their offensive rating. Yeah, they're sixth. They were at, I, I know because I wrote it down in my notes. I think that they were second at 115.7. So last night Memphis took it to them, man. They were holding them down, playing solid defense. Their offense, obviously without John Morant and without Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, but predominantly without John Morant, is going to take a hit. So they scored uh, fewer points. But defensively, they took one of the league's best offenses and held it to, what was the final on that game? It was sub, uh, sub-triple digits. I want to say it was in the 80s. And let's see, overall schedule, last night's games. Ah, screw it. I don't need to look it up. Um, so Memphis, that two and five, I think, as a trend, is not who they are. Um, I mean, I had them not making the top eight spots in the West just because they're such a young team that they're bound to have some sort of regression from last season. I mean, John Morant was a, a rook and came in and, and was a catalyst and a fire for them. But young teams are up and down. And the longer you play in the league, you understand, you know, how to prepare your body and the consistency of a normally 82-game season, this year 72-game season, and the grind of it and how to motivate your yourself for a back-to-back or a three-and-five or a four-and-five. Um, so you assume with a younger team, they're going to regress a little bit. And uh, 
but that two and five, I mean, without key players and playing the Lakers so strongly, I, I, I like them more now than I did before the season started. So I don't think that two and five is actually who they are. Um, if they had jaw last night, I think they win that game and suddenly they're three and four and at three and four, you know, that puts them in the mix of depending on their divisional record, but they'd be anywhere from, uh, you know, they'd be tied somewhere between seven and, uh, they'd be number yeah seven and 12 because there'd be six teams with the same record of three and four. I mean, that's the difference. And the breakdown now is the divisional record as to why certain teams are above others. And then, uh, you know, conference record. Um, so Memphis, Memphis, I think is a more legitimate, you know, team than two and five. Um, all right. Let's see what the, the chat is saying. So, uh, let's see. Uh, Ramon Coke cock. So would you say the foul baiting is as bad as diving in soccer? No, just because soccer players are so far from the closest uh, ref or umpire, whatever the case is. Uh, I want to say ref. Um, you could tell I watch a ton of soccer. Um, that you have to overact to grab their attention, whereas it's a much smaller area. So the, the histrionics aren't as over the top. Um, and then Daniel says, as a long-suffering Knicks fan, it just wanted to ha- just want a winning season. I, you got a shot. I mean, Tibbs is there, and he's giving them a defensive, hard-nosed kind of mentality and mindset. Just look, as a Bulls fan, just hope that Tibbs has learned from his time going around and visiting other teams and talking with more team doctors and other head coaches about the science of rest and not grinding your young guys down. So your your Mitchell Robinsons and your RJ Barrett's and your Emmanuel Quickleys, yes, you can ride them a little bit more because they are younger, but you know, the worst is when it's, you know, those meaningless games and your team is up by a large sum or down by a large sum and the average coach sends in the end of the bench just to get them a little PT and uh, see what you got there and see who decides to play hard in those minutes and still give you something. Uh, And Tibbs historically has a tendency to ride his starters for just way too long. And that wears on you by the end of the season and it shortens careers. Do I think that had effect on Derek? It's kind of hard to say no, but at the same time, how violently he cuts and moves and jumps. It seems kind of inevitable that he would have an injury like that. I think more emblematic of that is Luau Deng and just Deng being driven into the ground. And it's like, he's a slot receiver when he shouldn't have been, you know, and a slot receiver, once you lose your step, you're out of the NFL, which is what happened to like AI. AI, once he lost his step, he wasn't the apex predator that he was before. So his time in the league was short, you know, his stints in Denver and uh, Pistons were not memorable because he didn't have the size to inflict his will in other ways, much like LeBron can now. I mean, also LeBron developed an outside shot 
um, which extended the life of his career. You know, look at Vince Carter. Vince Carter just maintained being a dunker. He would not have played the, you know, just tremendous 21 seasons that he played in the league, which is just bananas to think about. Um, he eventually extended and got a three-point shot, and that gave longevity to his career. Um, so Ding should have had that. So that would be my fear. Hopefully Tibbs has learned from the other medical staffs and the other coaches that if you can get your guys rest, get them rest. They can still learn. It's a long season, and I know you want the playing time and the the real-world kind of learning situations uh, for your young guys, your RJ Barrett's and your Mitchell Robinson's, but you don't want to grind them down to a nub. Um, so Ramon said, it's a fair point, Matt. My last name is, uh, uh, unfortunate English. Sorry. Where are you from Ramon? Let us know. Um, Josh H makes a good point. Bad teams are well-rested. That's why they're playing good so far. To some degree, yeah. I, I agree with you. So I, I think, like, Miami came out flat. Um, you know, the Lakers are kind of flying in the face of that convention. But at the same time, as others pointed out, how hard did it look like LeBron was really trying last night and he still put up a great stat line and they got the W. So, you know, they're they're getting more minutes from from... Jalen Horton Tucker and whatnot and trying to rely a little bit on their younger guys. But yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a great point that I hadn't brought up yet. The teams that have had more rest, um, it's, it's proven out to be beneficial this early on. And I also think that the teams that already had a core in place, it's been more beneficial. Unlike, you know, Milwaukee needs to figure out how drew and, and, uh, uh, Giannis and Middleton and Lopez and all these guys, how they fit together and what exactly their lineups are going to be. Um, several teams are going through that right now. Like the Nets are a little bit up and down, but when they click, they look scary. Or like um, the Warriors. I mean, look at look at the difference that Draymond Green makes. And I genuinely chalk this up to his extra leadership on the floor because <clears throat> those first few games, man. Like the first four games, Kelly Oubre and Wiggins were a one-two punch of just dog shit. Just dog shit. <clears throat> Oubre, until he finally made a three. Hey, I mean, I think it was 0 for 17 or so before he made his first three. But he's always been known as a quote-unquote playmaker, right? He finishes at the rim. But then if you if you look into the numbers of him and Wiggins finishing at the rim, they were in the bottom lowest percentile of percentage finishing at the rim, just of converting those shots. He's just like, okay, the one thing that the two of you are supposed to be really effective at, you are terrible. And it's so then the defense, the difference of of, of Curry versus some of these other super duper stars is he is really good about an offense that flows. And within that flow, because the defense can't solely key in on him, it makes him that much more effective because he does have a size disadvantage compared to all the other stars. He is smaller. Um, so 
you know, you look back in years past when you have a clay or you have KD or you have <clears throat> say an Iguodala or potentially a Livingston or Draymond when he was hitting his shots, but you have guys in there that are competent, especially with clay and, and Durant can hit those threes. You can't double, you can't, uh, you can't basically go, you can't go under screens anyway with Curry, but you can cheat a little bit more or the, your defender doesn't need to to worry about, uh, say, a drag screen or, uh, you know, for, you know, if you don't know what a drag screen is, it's a um, two screeners on and one of the two screeners rolls to the basket. The other one rolls out for a long distance shot. But if nobody else is going to shoot a three, then there's no fear of any kind of drag screen. And there, there's no pick and pop with anybody on that team until at least Draymond gives them some sort of spacing. He knows, he knows how to direct traffic. There's a great clip that everybody was pointing out of him going ape, uh, just jumping up and down, just, just ape shit at the top, just like fucking move guys as he's running down the court with the ball in his hands. Um, uh, so to have that and to have a steadying voice and him in there, helping with uh, Wiseman's defensive development and just giving them another proficient ball handler. Um, It's made all the difference in the world. I mean, I think this team, if you added clay to it would, would be pretty lethal right now. Uh, But we're also getting to the, I was looking forward to this season with Curry because I want to see what Curry's numbers would look like with Harden's usage rate. And I don't know if he'll ever get to Harden's usage rate because Curry's style is not to sit there with the ball for 18 seconds and crab dribble uh, and just kind of wait for the defense to fully formalize um, before you make a decision as to what you're going to do. That's not Curry's style. So the usage rate is probably not going to get there, but to come to some sort of close approximation, I would love to see it. I want to see if his efficiency, because he's just a better shooter overall uh, by the numbers. He's the best shooter I've ever seen. Just pure shooter. Unquestionably. Um, so I'm intrigued, but I think the, the Warriors, if they can maintain this, you know, momentum and Wiseman keep showing improvement, Ubre hits the occasional shot here and there, like those guys, Ubre and, and Wiggins settle into the roles uh, around Curry. Yeah, I think, I think they could be, you know, something. They're not going to win a championship, but I think that they can make the play in game. I think they have enough talent to do that still. Um, you know, they're currently sitting uh, at sixth at four and three. But is that a legitimate four and three? I don't know. It's really early. Like they're, they're with the, you know, tied with Utah and New Orleans. That's a, that's a good trifecta of teams to be with. Um, but I think that they're pretty legitimate. Um, let's see. So Jordan Anderson asked, what are the most underrated players this season? Chris Middleton, Jalen Brown, Bogdan, uh, Bogdanovich, perhaps. I don't know. I think it's still too early to say right now, although Jalen Brown has been pretty great, um, but underrated. I, I think it at the halfway point, just because, A, 
reducing the schedule by 10 games is, you know, we'll be at the, the quarter of the way at 14 games ish, which is 14 with 16 games. You know, you'll be at a quarter of the way and is 16 enough to really figure out who's underrated, overrated. No, I think at 30, 31, when we're at the halfway or pardon me, 30, uh, 35, 36, we're at the halfway point. Um, I think that's legit at that point. So to make those kind of assessments. Um, so Chris Miner says, I was expecting my Spurs to be blown out every game so far, but our only blowout was against Utah. I'm surprised that we've been hanging with teams like the Lakers and Clippers. And speaking of the Spurs, Tony Parker has a doc on Netflix now. Where would you rank him uh, in the Spurs grades? Um, I don't know. We, we should get to that discussion on another day. But we can talk about the Spurs right now. So someone on Reddit uh, posted this, which I had not taken note of, that this is the youngest team that Pop has ever coached at 25 and a half years. And perhaps it's that. A, the rest that was uh, the rest to the teams that weren't as good brought up by Josh earlier. And I think the youth too, you know, going up against the Clippers, which you mentioned, but the Clippers are a slightly older team. And when you've got young legs this early in the season on a two month and change turnaround from the last season um, for the teams that made the championship, but it's not like the Clippers were that far off. It's been what two and three quarters months for the Clippers. So to get them in, like PG is is out uh, right now. Um, how much has Kawhi been affected by that that blow to the face from Surge? Like, and they also had to fit new parts in. Whereas the Spurs maintained by and large, if memory serves, off the top of my head, um, get the consistency of play from guys like Demar and Aldridge, and then the the Murray's the Deontay Murray of the, of the world, like maturing a little bit. Um, it has been interesting. The Spurs have been friskier than I thought as well. I, I'm kind of surprised by that. And uh, I had them not making the playoffs, but who doesn't love Pop and the Spurs? I mean, obviously there are fan bases out there that don't, but as someone that doesn't have to go uh, against them head-to-head as a Bulls fan from afar, they're always great. Um, so they have been frisky and interesting. Uh, I... Them, it's it's harder for me to tell if this friskiness, for lack of a better word, having used it so many times now, is legitimate after, you know, seven-ish games. We'll check back in a couple of weeks and to see if this kind of, they're in it. So their margin for wins and victories is, is pretty close, neck in, night in, night out. They have a shot at these. Uh, not entirely sure as of right now. Um. So uh, Ramon says he's from the Netherlands, and it's uh, it's pronounced cook, uh, cook. So there you go. And then uh, Jordan asks, "What are the thoughts on James Harden this year? A lot of fan, a lot of uh, drama. As a diehard Clippers fan, what are your thoughts on the chances, their chances this year? Solid starting five, but beyond that, who knows? Um, I mean, he's only played what three games, four games." So when he's showed up, he's looked like the reigning perennial guy in the MVP discussion. 
Um, I mean, I, <laughs> who, who knew that his, his best trainers uh, would have been found at the strip club? I mean, I just love when he was asked right as the season was starting. He's like, oh, why were you in, where was he, Atlanta or somewhere in Florida? But anyways, just like, uh, you know, because that's where my trainers are and be like, oh, okay, the hell they are. Like you went there to hang out with friends, to go to the strip club, to, to party it up and to leave that and to show up looking disheveled, bloated, not into full game shape and just still be lights out. That, that proves to you how good he is. And that's why it's frustrating for me as a non Rockets fan when he's out hunting for free throws, just like you're too fucking good for this to do this crap. It demeans or it lessens the, the beauty of your talent to me. Personally, I think you, you could be legitimately the most unstoppable offensive force in this league. And when you choose not to bait for free throws, you are, and it's, it is mesmerizing to watch because you want me to shoot from 35 feet. No problem. Now you're going to try and deem me up there. I'm going to whiz right past you and go in for an easy layup. Uh, it is super impressive to watch. Uh, whereas, so as a Clippers fan, what are their chances? Uh, you know, look, it's the Lakers to lose. They improved. Um, if you look at the numbers with LeBron and Gasol, that's a hell of a tandem, man. They made a great upgrade there um, as evidenced by Harrell. What game was that where... Was it the Blazers when Harold they left uh, Ty Lue left Harold in and the Blazers just kept taking it to him in the the end of the game just over and over and over again. We're going to go at your weakest defender, somebody who cannot protect the rim, which we saw in the uh, the Denver series it was part of the reason that uh, Doc got ousted. Was some in the front office felt that uh, Zubac should be playing more because he gives you more of a defensive presence to get somebody like Jokic and Jokic is just carving up. Harold, because Harold does not have the size at six seven ish, six eight ish, to shut down somebody of Jokic's offensive caliber. Um, so I think the upgrade for the Clippers of Ibaka is uh, huge, and you know losing Jermichael Green, not that big a deal to me. How much did he really actually, you know, affect what you were doing? Um, they don't have near the depth they did last year, but perhaps less last season kind of solidified or homogenized or gelled the group as a whole to really stratify who is the alpha on this team and who is not. And by that, I mean perhaps a little humbling of Paul George is good thing for the Clippers as a whole. To say that you're, you know, he puts himself in the same league as Kawhi, but we all know flat out that Kawhi is the player that you would take a hundred times out of a hundred between the two of them. Um, you know, Paul George is a top. What would you say in the chat? Top twenty-five player, top twenty player. I mean, they're quite a few others that I would take over them. 
if you went right down the list. Like I'll scan through the standings um, and go, okay, Lakers, LeBron and AD, sure. On the Suns, I'm just going right down the list. Suns, at this point, I take Devin Booker over PG. Uh, and given CP3's impact on now, I mean, it's kind of undeniable his impact uh, after OKC last year. But then this year, it's like, meh, I might take CP3 at this just for one season right now on Utah. Eh, I mean, Donovan for his youth over PG, sure. Maybe um, on the Pels, you know, PG is better than technically anything on the Pels, although Brandon Ingram, if he keeps improving, can make a case for that. Um, you know, you can do this over and over and over again. So I think PG kind of coming back to earth and realizing that you're not this alpha star that you'd like to believe and you need these teammates. Um, I think a slight humbling is good for them because I, at the end of the season last year, when he's being interviewed by reporters and he, you know, was this a championship or bust year? And he's like, no, nah, nobody in the locker room ever had those thoughts and be like, dude, get the fuck out of here. Every single person in that locker room had that mentality. Go, go read the accounts of, Vegas stories when Pat Bev was in the same club that LeBron was in and news broke that Kawhi was signing with the Clippers. And he goes over to LeBron and was like, Oh, it's, it's our fucking time. It's our year now, baby. Like we're winning this all type of thing. The bravado was fully with the Clippers and rightly so that team was loaded. It's one of the more solid one through probably 10 ish teams that we've seen in a long time. Um, so I think as you know, as a, a, a Clippers fan, you take solace in the fact that very few teams can still match your top six, seven guys. It's tough. You have a tremendous amount of talent on that team still. Uh, you did lose a couple guys that are big, but at the same time, I think it's early uh, and you're still in the mix. So we'll see. But um, so people are agreeing with me. Top 25 is is what the chat is saying. Um, and Johnny Shoemaker said top 10 players don't get blown out by 50 in the first half. Well, you know, <laughs> uh, you could say it was an early season game. They're coming off very little rest, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You can make excuses all day. It's not a bad point, Johnny. It's not a bad point. Um, all right. Well, I think I'm going to call it there. Um, so next week, tentatively on, uh, uh, Wednesday. So I just like, you know, last year and years before, uh, I'm going to, this is going to come out on Wednesdays. Um, by and large, I'm going to go live at noons on Wednesdays. Uh, there will be certain weeks where I'm going to have to tape it on like Tuesday nights to put out at noon on Wednesday. I'll try and give you a heads up about that, uh, in advance because those in the chat, it's great. It's great to, ha to have you there to interact with. Um, Jordan Anderson now says PG's a, a top 20 player. All right. There you go. Yeah. I think he's top 20, 25, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, so going to try and do the consistently noon on Wednesdays and by and large week in, week out. That will not be a problem, but there will be certain weeks. I'm already uh, towards the end of February. There's probably going to be a week to potentially two 
that uh, I am going to be indisposed during the day. So I'm going to need to tape the night of and release. But I'll let you know in advance, uh, probably on the, the week before show, what is going down there. But my thanks to everybody that joined me in the chat. Uh, it's awesome to see you guys uh, rolling with me on this another season. More basketball talk. Uh, I'm excited for more of a season. I can't wait to basically revisit this uh, next week and see where teams are at. Um, so next week, if schedules work out, I got uh, uh, Ace Cabrera, Andres Cabrera coming on. Talk a little Suns, talk a little uh, probably uh, some Western Conference, but uh, I don't believe I've ever had a Suns fan in the three years that I've been doing this, like a dedicated, devoted Suns fan. It's probably because they've been so bad and I haven't had, um, I haven't heard them crowing about anything. And, you know, God bless them for not. Um, because you had nothing to crow about until you got to the bubble last year. The only thing you ever heard from them is why don't people respect Devin Booker as much? It's like, I don't know. It's hard to tell right now if this is good, uh, Good stats on a bad team, a la, you know, when Michael Carter Williams wins a rookie of the year and just like, yeah, but if you watch him, he's terrible. Whereas I never felt like that about Booker. Guy was legit, but it's just like, yeah, but it, does this lead to winning? It's kind of like a, the early knocks on Jordan's like he can put up numbers, but his teams don't win. So with the numbers, what do they mean as of right now? Um, but so we'll have uh, if, if, you know, Ace could still make it. Ace will be on. Uh, next week with me on uh, Wednesday at uh, noon, as per usual. And that is it for uh, me here today on Dropping Dimes. You can follow me anywhere at Matt Nost. Uh, thanks again to everybody that joined me in the chat. It was nice to see all the different people. And, you know, from all around the world, uh, there, Ramon Cook from the Netherlands. And I, nobody else told me where they were from, but, uh, you know, Jordan Anderson, Josh, Johnny Shoemaker. Um, the other names seem very... Daniel uh, Savoa might uh, potentially, but he also could be from Southern California where I'm at now. No idea. But my thanks to everybody that joined me. And uh, if you want to watch, if you're listening to this, once I put it out on podcast, you go to uh, youtube.com forward slash uh, dropping dimes and you can find the channel over there. Uh, su subscribe to, if you're watching, I'd love it if you subscribe to the YouTube channel. And if you're listening, subscribe to the podcast feed of your choice. But if you don't want to, you don't have to. I'm not going to fucking, uh, I'm not going to do that every week, I don't think. I might put it in the description, but I'm not going to, I don't know. We're all so conditioned to this world of content now that if you want to subscribe, you're going to fucking subscribe. Never once has somebody saying it in a video or on a show made me go, oh yeah, I should say, I just make the choice as to whether or not I'm going to do it. So there you go. So do it or don't. You know what? I'm going to make it a point right here. I'm not going to say it on the show from here on. So do it or don't. Uh, be great. The only thing I will ask is leave, if if you are listening to this, leave a comment on the podcast field of rating. That genuinely helps. Um, so I will bang that drum. But uh, uh, that's it for, for me this week. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Stay safe out there if you're in a place like I am where COVID is raging. Try and stay six feet apart, you know, wear your masks, wash your hands and uh, protect, protect your neighbors, what you're trying to do at this point. Uh, I've known now quite a few people that have come down with COVID and some have been really bad. Thankfully, nobody's had the worst, uh, you know, outcomes, but I have people that are still now uh, weeks and weeks later that have residual effects and uh, 
hopefully the light at the end of the tunnel eventually shines bright enough for them where they make it out to the other side. But uh, so please, I know that we're all sick of wearing a fucking mask and uh, having to sit at home and all that stuff. But what can you do? What can you do? So I know that I'm one of the last ones here in the States that's going to be able to get, or at least in Los Angeles to get a vaccine. So this is going to be my life for the foreseeable future. Unfortunately, uh, I got friends who wanted to make, you know, vacation plans for August and be like, I don't even know if I'm going to have the vaccine anywhere near then at this point, uh, there's literally millions upon millions of people ahead of me uh, in line here, just in Los Angeles alone. So please stay safe out there. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the sweet NBA action to come. And that is it. Have a good day. Adios. Mm-hmm.